1: Why do we need a black breastfeeding week? Imagine if there was a white breastfeeding week? But what they don't realize is that every week is white breastfeeding week. The only way to attract black people is to literally say black people this is for you otherwise they feel excluded. So sometimes you have to be direct because they don't otherwise they don't they don't put themselves within that category. When you look at the pictures of mothers breastfeeding at that time, everything was white mums. You never saw any black mum breastfeeding in the picture, so we didn't see ourselves breastfeeding. Not only that, there's way more traumas that's come and been passed down through through our generations, like to do with wet nursing, having to see a baby starve and not be able to feed them because the slave owners say you can't feed the baby, but not only that, having to leave through the wind rush and everything and having to leave your little baby and come over here and work. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms
2: podcast. I am so excited to be joined by Ruth Denison from One to One Doula, and we are here just to talk about everything breastfeeding. Really, Black Breastfeeding Week, Black breastfeeding barriers, the just the big issues with breastfeeding, and what the big, what the big who really. I just I feel there's so much um, weight breastfeeding and you know feeding a baby in general so just getting started at the beginning Mm
1: -hmm. have you breastfed? Yeah I breastfed all of my babies I did so I've got three and I've breastfed all of them but I was lucky that I was actually working within the field before I had any baby so I knew more you know where about, I was at yeah I knew what the importance of it and I already aimed to breastfeed um so yeah so um it's it seemed to have I wouldn't say it came easy because I knew what I was doing I knew how to troubleshoot what I was doing to make sure that things was okay with breastfeeding
2: yeah and with your title as like breastfeeding specialist and everything you do in the breastfeeding world. Mm-hmm. How do we? How do women come to you and come into your service, mm-hmm. your expertise?
1: Yeah. So most of the time is um, either not knowing that baby's um, baby's feeding okay, having sore, cracked nibble nipples, um, you know, baby never seeming satisfied, problems with weight gain. So these are the main reasons why a ba- mother, mum's seem to find me and to come to me for breastfeeding support and um, yeah so those are the main reasons right most, most of it is to do with my tweaks like to do with the positioning and attachment which could lead to other issues with baby um, but yes a lot of the time is to do with um, those few things that I've just mentioned
2: and you said you breastfed all of your babies and obviously you knew what to do because you are in the field. So has anybody in particular that supported you through your journey?
1: No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Not that I, I, to be honest, I don't wish. But the thing is, is because I worked the hospital that I had gave birth in, my with my first two children, I worked there. So they knew that if anyone was the person to help with breastfeeding, I was one of them so they felt that maybe there was nothing that they could have told me that I don't already know or that I may be even more advanced than some of them for them to then feel that it doesn't make sense to even try they just they just said to me oh Ruth you're fine with breastfeeding aren't you and that's that's the most that I've got in regards to breastfeeding is you're fine with it. And yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. Um, Thank you. But
2: luckily you were fine. Yeah. I mean, what about everybody else who
1: isn't fine?
2: Exactly. What happens for them?
1: Exactly. And um, but I would say, like, there was one point when I actually did need some kind of um it wasn't it wasn't so much support, but it was like some reassurance, and I did need my management from my side, from the ward side to come to the special care unit to tell them that what I was feeding my baby was adequate enough for my baby because my son had to go to special care because he wasn't well and um, when he was in special care they said to they were saying to me that I need to top him up with formula or because of my milk wasn't enough and he's hungry and I was like he I was trying to reassure them that my milk is enough and that my breast like colostrum would help him more than the formula and um, you know when it is your newborn baby and you're getting told that it's not enough even though I knew what was enough because of what I was taught and what I how I support mums it still made me almost at some point feel like Am I doing what's right by my baby? Yeah. Does that
2: fear just go through you of, Yeah. I don't know, so, the
1: guilt or I'm failing or no, I, I'm not, not providing? or I felt like, I felt like, I didn't feel that I wasn't providing. Well, at some point, to be honest, I did feel like, wow, is this not enough? Because this is all I can really get right now. And I know that this is all I can get right now. And the more I do it, the more that the milk will come. It's sort of what it did. It just made me feel a little bit more pressure to get more milk from myself but it was like literally colostrum that was there. wasn't really getting the full milk at that time, the mature milk. And, um, but I know how rich colostrum is and I know that it can really help baby. So, but I felt like, Because of the doctors was kept on saying to me, like, looking at me like I'm, like I said, like I'm a sad (laughs) person, (laughs) trying to do something to my baby. They're giving me the look, like, pity, like, to say this isn't enough. So all of that, with your hormones, with the thought of your baby not actually being with you and being with them, like, it sort of, like, makes, like, if I didn't have the support, to be honest, for someone else to just say, actually, yes, it's fine she can continue to give her baby what she is giving her baby. If I didn't have no one else say that to me and just had the doctors keep telling me that I need to give them my baby something else, it may have triggered me to do that. But I was lucky, like I because of I knew all the maternity team and I worked on the um the anti, the postnatal ward. I then had the sister, um the ward sister come and tell them, the matron may I say, come and tell them that what I was given was fine for my baby and they should allow me to continue as I am.
2: Yeah, um, but and and that's you with all your knowledge mm-hmm. in in the space.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you still have to rationalize with yourself and and you know, talk yourself down that your baby is good and colostrum is fine, and you are doing what you feel is best. Mm-hmm. I just think of all the other women who don't have access to the information that you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just must be overwhelming and scary. And let's not forget, you are probably sleep-deprived,
0: mm-hmm. you're emotional,
2: and this is your baby, especially if it's your first child. Exactly. And it's feeling really, really you know, like a whole new world. Mm -hmm. It's just such a scary, um, pressured time, isn't it?
1: It definitely is because of just exactly what you said, just to amplify that these mums are mostly unaware of the benefits, unaware of how great the benefits are in regards to pursuing that this is what they want to do. It is so easily, if a healthcare professional is telling you to do something to help for your baby's health and to help save your baby and to make sure your baby is okay you know it's like you're even down to your parent even if you was a first-time mom your mom that may have had five kids would be like you need to listen to them because of if she's like well, a lot of the time our, our parents are even us, we're not even so sure and so aware but it's it's only because of i i actually i support this already And I know a lot more. And then even then I felt a bit on the edge at some point. But then, like, it's so easy for them to just say that to a mother and for a mother to give in. And funny enough, that same time when I was there, I was actually gave birth alongside a colleague midwife. And she was having the same issue. And she was crying her eyes out thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't feed my baby. And And she's a midwife. So it's like... Thinking about the the babies that are going into that into special care, what it seems like is that from the post the difference the difference between the postnatal ward and special care was that the postnatal ward there was more staff that was aware that the breast milk is enough for the baby, and then it's like as soon as you got to special care, where your baby so much needs your milk more than any other milk because of how beneficial it is to help save that baby's life. Then they go into the hands of doctors that are lacking as much information as the midwives or the healthcare workers that are on the wards. and they go by what they like. What it is really, they go by the numbers, and they need to see how much fluids that the baby's going in. And when they go by the numbers, a lot of the time this doesn't account for the colostrum or your breast milk numbers. So it's like, you know, it's sort of like they would be saying they need 15 mils to give to a baby when in colostrum, it wouldn't be so much that you would need to give to a baby to help that baby strive.
2: And, and just for anybody listening, can you just explain what, who doesn't know what colostrum is, can you just explain what colostrum is?
1: Sorry, colostrum is the first milk. So they call it liquid gold. It's the, first, it's the first, <laughs> It definitely is. It's the first milk and it's so rich. It's way more richer than your mature milk, like when it starts to change and go white and it comes in such a larger volume. But colostrum comes in really small amounts, very small amounts. So if you was to start expressing after you've given birth, you would express into a one mil syringe. And mm-hmm. if you was able to fill one mil syringe and give that to your baby, your baby would be good for a good couple of hours sometimes. So colostrum is very rich in comparison to mature milk. And it helps with the baby's gut to line the baby's gut. It helps with their digestive system. It really helps with their gut flora, everything. It just really it, helps. It really get, is liquid gold. To start, to start baby up and get baby, you know, Go in and ready, and to declare that meconium poos from baby. So it's the first note that babies need, and before anything else, really. Don't get me wrong. There is times when some mothers may not be able to get them to that, get that to their babies. But if they can, then that this is definitely something that they shouldn't be missing. Right. And it should be advocated, like, advocated for everyone should really in that healthcare setting that you're at, they all should be supporting you to get your colostrum to your baby. And when I mean supporting, I mean like if anything, helping you to achieve that. Championing, advocating. And championing, not making you feel bad if, if you're not doing it, but just to champion your actual, you know, your actual goals and what you're trying to achieve and also listening to you to Mm -hmm. see you know to make sure you know finding out what's how things are going with you and helping to support you as an individual instead of just saying this is what you should be doing and then going away and leaving you to get on with it not knowing that how you're finding things and how you're managing okay
2: and so everything so far we've talked about obviously affects all women but what are the specific barriers for black women breastfeeding
1: well there's 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 lots um apart from the same barriers that every woman face in regards to sore nipples you know baby's not latched on well apart from all of these different things within uh, the black community generally throughout society Black people are not listened to more, they're less likely to be supported, they're less likely to receive information as well. So there's all these barriers that black people have. So a lot of the time when black um black people are going in to um give birth or to going in to start um feeding their baby, they are lacking some a lot a lot of information in regards to breastfeeding. Um, in regards to the benefits for themselves, in regards to the benefits for their babies, in regards to how to know if breastfeeding is not going well or if it is going well. So when they are lacking this information, it doesn't really give them a good start. And um, also in regards to that is there, you know, we, we could say, you know, just like everybody else, you know, there's antenatal classes. Yes, there is antenatal classes and it would be amazing if you was able to see more black mothers going into antenatal classes. But when there is a majority of white women in the antenatal classes and um, or may I say white people and then black people come to their classes a lot of the time that they are the minority within these groups. And when they're even even sometimes in a Black community, and a community that has lots of Black people or people of colour, they can still be the minority within these groups. And when they are in these groups, they then go through the same systematic, I would say, racism and biases that they go through all their life. So sometimes being in that space and being the minority and getting asked questions which has been stereotyped for black families like absent fathers, this, this is the stereotypes of absent fathers or aggressive um, parents and stuff like that. When you sometimes are still being spoken to with these biases and stuff like that. And you feel that vibe. You don't feel that you fit in in that space. So you take yourself away. You may have done one class and not gone back. So that sometimes could be some of the reasons why some of the mums are not getting the information around how to receive or what, you know, all the all the information around breastfeeding and the support that is available to them.
2: And do you think there are any well, there's cultural barriers, but do you think there's any generational barriers? like my Mm -hmm. background is Jamaican Mm -hmm. and I definitely feel like growing up and and remembering all of the elders around me speaking that um, powdered milk Mm -hmm. and it definitely felt like a status thing it definitely felt like mm-hmm. I look at me you know I can afford this this yeah. milk mm-hmm. it's like I'm getting the best milk for my baby I'm getting this yeah. this bottle milk this formula this powdered milk rather than kind of like how people used to be, like used to be you used to be looked down upon if you grew vegetables like you're too poor Mm-hmm. kind of the same vibe like it's just the, the, you it's just a status thing to be able to provide your baby this fancy fancy milk when yeah obviously we know the mm-hmm. benefits of breast milk but it, it really felt for me from the conversations I remember growing up and just around when I was around that generation um a status thing did do you think that comes yeah. into play at all
1: I I think it definitely does Um, It does come into play I think it might be Slightly less Now The reason why it's, it's less now Because more white families Are breastfeeding And when black people notice that more white families Are breastfeeding but they're not shown to be The lower class Then they must think to themselves Well it's not so much Of a status thing now In regards to having the formula, maybe like our generations before us, definitely. But and then the same time it's our generations before us is the ones that are influencing us now as well. So um but I think I think it could still be it could still be playing an effect to people that don't know the benefits mostly but I feel that when you do know the benefits for mother and child. I don't think it's, it doesn't become a status thing anymore in regards to, I want to make sure that people feel that I've got money in regards to, I can actually formula feed. But the ones that do feel that way that I can formula feed and I don't need to um, breastfeed because I've got the money to provide for that. I feel that those are the, the, the ones that are actually lacking the information of Mm -hmm. breastfeeding in regards to the health benefits. Because if they did know the health benefits, I believe that they will be trying, at least they will try their best to have that breastfeeding relationship with their baby. It's just getting that information out there then. I think that information can change their perspective of how they view it. Whereas without that information, Yeah, they're looking at it like to say, well, why am I going to struggle? Because breastfeeding can be hard. It's so hard for
2: something that is, I think in the movies and the books on TV, it is shown as the most natural thing in the world. It should just be so easy. Like you instinctively know what to do. Baby knows instinctively what to do. You haven't got to find a position or work it out. Everyone just knows and gets the assignment and gets on with it. But in reality... It's not like that. I mean, it is like that for mm-hmm. some women, but the majority it's not, is it? It, it yeah. can really be a struggle. And obviously there's all these other things potentially. I Definitely. don't know if your baby yes. has jaundice, if you if you have yeah. mastitis, if you have engorged um, breasts, yeah. if you have tongue tie, all these other things again. And if you don't have that information, you could just give think up. it's you or yeah. give up or it's not possible or, you know,
0: Yeah, just kind of
1: spiral. Exactly. So, where breastfeeding can be hard, and sometimes if if someone is fighting with the battle of, you know, breastfeeding is difficult for them and they're struggling and their baby's crying because of if breastfeeding is difficult, a lot of the time is that babies tend to not be getting enough milk from their mums in in, in the knock on effects because it could be to do with if if breastfeeding is painful, baby may not be latching on the breast well to drain the breast. And then all of these different effects come in. And then if baby is not on the breast well to drain the breast, then baby's not feeding enough. So not only do you feel uncomfortable, either sore or engorged or having mastitis or any of these things, baby is not not feeling full as well just not
2: on it and, yeah and, and and that newborn and then, baby cry mm-hmm. is horrific yeah no it one wants to cut hear their straight cry. through to
1: your bone yeah, yeah no. and no one wants to hear their babies cry it builds up a whole lot of anxiety and then when mum has that anxiety it's a, it's a knock-on effect so then it's like you know if you're not got the support to actually let you know that You know, this is the few things that you may need to do that can help you significantly to have a better feed with your baby and to continue to and enjoy it. If you don't have someone to reassure you and to support you to do that, then you're going to do what you feel that you can do to help your baby. And then you're more likely to go and have formula. And sometimes this happens with mums that do know the benefits for them and baby, but they just don't know that actually this is not normal. And this is not how breastfeeding should be. So if, you know. That's,
2: that's so key. Because I remember with my first child, Blake, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't go to any classes. didn't do any of that. I just thought, yeah, I want to breastfeed and it looks easy. So I'm going to give it a go. And it was so painful. So, so painful. But I just kept on going because I was so determined. I think you feel the pressure obviously wanting to breastfeed just kept going kept on going till my nipples were like red raw bleeding oh. and no one had picked up that my baby had tongue tie um until I went in for a check for I think just a normal routine check and she saw my bleeding nipples then checked the baby and then saw okay there's tongue tie here but All the health visitors, everyone who had come in the early stages, no one saw. So I was just carrying on thinking, what else am I going to do? I have to breastfeed. And and it was just Mm. brutally painful. But obviously then the tongue tie got cut and it was an amazing experience. And I loved every second of breastfeeding. And then I got it and checked for my second child. And again, Loved it, fed for for months and months and months. And in fact, then I was like, you can't stop me. I didn't, I didn't know how to stop and didn't want to stop. I just thought breastfeeding was the best thing mm-hmm. imaginable. I thought that I loved the connection in those kind of midnight moments when it's just you and baby. And I thought breast milk was just magical, just fixed everything. I remember Blake getting conjunctivitis and the doctor <laughs> saying, drop a little bit of breast milk. I was like, excuse me, drop a little bit of breast milk. But they're like, drop a little bit of breast milk in his eye and it's going to clear right up. And it did clear right yep. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. Breast milk on cracked nipples clears right up. And and it just breast milk and coconut oil became my whole, my fix for everything.
1: Yeah. And I
2: just, you know, I loved it. But until that tongue tie was picked up, it was incredibly painful. And then I started to dread breastfeeding mm-hmm. and, and hated, you know, that those early experiences hated it
1: yeah and it can it can be really really difficult and painful if you don't know what to do it, it, you know it's you know to keep going then I'll say wow hands up to you because it can be very difficult but the main thing is to do is as soon as you feel any kind of pain or discomfort when you are feeding that is a signal that something is wrong and you need to rect- have that rectified. If you can't rectify it yourself, then it's about seeking support to do so as soon as possible, preferably, because if you, even say for instance, with you baby, with your baby having a tongue tie, your baby was mostly struggling as well feeding. So even though you was getting sore, your baby might have not had a deep latch, which could mean that if they're on your nipple, sometimes they're getting really small amounts at a time. So what tends to happen is that they feed a lot more often and, you know, then it just causes a knock-on effect. They're feeding a lot more often, not always seeming so satisfied. And you're also getting sore throughout the feeds. So it's like just to know that actually, you know, breastfeeding, it shouldn't be painful whatsoever. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And also that your baby should be feeding. Like, one of the things is to know that anything between 5 to 45 minutes is classed as a normal feed. So if your baby is trying to feed for an hour and more than an hour and just never seem to, con- like, actually seem satisfied at any point then it's worth double checking what's going on to make sure that baby has a nice deep latch and also keep an eye on your baby's nappy output so if your baby has like up to depending from their age but it should be one for the each count of the day so one on day one two on day two three on day three up until day six then it'll be six on day six six wet nappies two poos and that's how it should be continuously from then on if your baby is not achieving that then that's a bell alarm to think is my baby getting enough milk so then we have to look at sometimes your baby not getting enough milk it doesn't mean that you're not making enough milk it could just be a simple thing as you just maybe need to move your baby just slightly ever so slightly different while they're feeding or just put position them slightly differently just to make a difference of how much milk they get from you and how comfortable it feeds, baby feeds on your breasts.
2: Yeah, and those little changes can make all the difference, can't they?
1: It definitely can. It definitely can. And um, it's just so important that we, if we share the information that breastfeeding isn't supposed to be painful, then we'll, we can actually higher, higher the breastfeeding rates as well because a lot of the stories that are shared is that breastfeeding is really painful so there are a lot of mums that go into it and think oh I need to really gear up myself for this because of I know that it can be painful and um, what I do see a lot as well in the black community is just that oh breastfeeding don't work I've got some bottles for backup and I've got formula for backup but they they already sort of going in it and into breastfeeding doubting their bodies so this is obviously from the environment where they've picked up that breastfeeding is not always so successful and you may need to give your baby something else also there's the thing of oh we need to top baby up to make sure baby's feeding well what you need to realize is that baby's gone through a big transition so when they are just born not only do they cry to feed but they cry to be close to you it could be having some discomfort. They could be crying to feed so they can help them to sleep. There's lots of different things. You can't We can't really expect that baby's going to have a nice, smooth transition from your womb that they've been curled up with in your womb for whole nine months. Well, nine. If, if you made it nine months, that is. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're going to go and want to sit in their cradle. You know, it's just like someone pulling you out of your home and now saying sit in a barn. You're, then, not gonna, you're not
2: gonna you know which
1: no one would want you know you're not gonna really feel so comfortable and you're gonna keep trying to run back to your house so that's a little bit of what babies do but the main thing is just to be reassured that they are feeding okay they are calm when they're with you and when they are feeding from your breast they are calm and feeding and i do say breast because if it's not nipple and a lot of the time we feel like as soon as long as the nipples in baby's mouth is okay but no we need a lot more than just the nipple in baby's mouth we need the areola. We need a lot of breast tissue in the baby's mouth to allow baby to feed effectively.
2: Yeah, I just do not think, I know you, you've said this before, I just don't think the information is out there.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
2: I I, really think it's kind of romanticised as, as just easy and natural.
1: Do you and know... One of the things we are lacking is conversations. You know, they they say it's a village and all of that. And um, we don't really talk about these things so much amongst one another. And um, not only that, is that in regards to the community, we don't have the community that we may have had many years ago where we would have our families around us, breastfeeding around us, and that our neighbours would even be able to help us. We don't have all of that. So it's like now we, we're a lot of the time we're on our own trying to feed our babies or just on our own, especially now in COVID times, it's even worse. Um, and um, a lot of the times we just feel, you know what, you've got to get on with it. You've got to know what you like, we have to know what we're doing with our babies and we shouldn't have to be asking for help and support because we should just know how to do this. But we're not, we're not thinking, all right, I don't want to go to a professional for support and we're not got the community. So sometimes, yes, you do. Cause of within our community. Now our older generation so much was actually most likely bottle feeding because bottle feeding got popular in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So it's like speaking with them and sometimes they don't fully understand the the benefits of breastfeeding. They don't fully understand the benefits of extended breastfeeding. So from culturally, from the the black community, they have a thing that they do start babies um, introduce solid foods or you know um, porridges and stuff like that to their babies, like starting from three months, a bit like uh, I
2: remember that, like cutting off the top of the teat of the nipple of the bottle
1: uh-huh, and but... putting
2: in your Weetabix or your um, yeah, what is it, I... rice. But exactly milk.
1: yeah I had a neighbor funny enough I had a neighbor just the other day say to me oh sometimes she used to give her daughter some wheat a bits in their bottle because mm-hmm. she asked me how I was doing because my baby's five months now she was asking me how I was doing I said oh I'm okay but she was up a bit last night feeding quite a lot she was like but sometimes babies just do that she was like oh with my daughter yeah the breast milk wasn't enough for her and she literally said around three months oh, around that I only really got to feed her for a couple of months, and then after, that, I had to start putting wheat bits in her. In To her, hold her through. Yeah, to hold her through. But what, yeah. what what we need to realize is what's normal for a baby, and sometimes what is normal for your baby is that your baby is just going to wake up, and that's why we say, you know, you know, breastfed babies have a reduced risk of SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome, or some people will call it cot death. The the um, risk of it is reduced with breastfeeding, and it's you know, it's the, the risk is most likely to do what's lowered it as well is that they do wake up more often. And um, sometimes, with the babies that are formula fed or fed anything excessively extra that causes them to what they say hold them down for longer, is mm. not, is not, is going against babies' norm of what their normal responses is, is to do in regards to their survival so in regards to that we 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 if a baby's waking up they wake up often for their reasons and for us to give them something to hold them to sleep for longer it's going against their body's norm sometimes which mm-hmm. sometimes can cause their infant death you know the sudden infant death syndrome as well well—is—is there's evidence that shows that the risk are is higher and so this this also can play part like babies are not meant to at a young age sleep for a very long periods as you know all all, fam- all parents I would say all parents hope for because we all love to sleep too <laughs> <laughs> we all
0: love
2: to sleep of course you know and with everything we're talking about, is this has is this what's led you to push the black breastfeeding barriers, the black breastfeeding week? You know, with
1: um with Black Breastfeeding Week, it's it's just um so where it all started, it was like I I was already I've, I've been supporting breastfeeding since two thousand and seven and it was just something that shone to me like when I started and I knew I knew that I had like a long uh, breastfed my I was breastfed for quite long up until four years myself. But when right. I went when I went into maternity and I was working on the wards, and I I I sort of like was drawn to it because of I realised when I was supporting these mums, these mums were so vulnerable. The ones that didn't wasn't able to and needed that additional support. And not only that, there was a lot of babies that may have had problems with jaundice and may have been going into special care. For the low blood sugar levels due to having an issue with feeding their babies. And I was just like, I was I had that time. Well, I made it that time to support them through that. And to know that, all right, I've gone to that mother and I've helped her with something that she was sort of boiling her eyes out with, and now she's smiling and yeah. her baby's okay. And yeah. even though they said her blood sugar levels was low. And she was worried that they was going to take her baby. We've actually turned that around, and just sort of seeing how, just in regards to them feeding their baby and being able to get their baby their colostrum and their milk to their baby, can make a big difference on their experience of if their baby is going to be with them, stay with them, strive and go home, or if they're going to stay in longer because baby is getting poorly because mum isn't getting any milk to them, and then having to them, their their they find an alternative and maybe go into formula just because of they just worried about their baby's health and not knowing that actually that is not the best option unless you don't have any other option and so like if they if they're actually their breasts are fine and they're able and they've got the milk is there the colostrum is there then why are we going to offer a perfect fine mother that is able to produce um, her her own milk. Why are you needing to offer the baby something else? So I just sort of saw that these, these mums were very vulnerable. They were lacking in support. And to be honest, not everyone, not everyone that works in maternity is for breastfeeding. And when I say for breastfeeding, I mean not everyone feels confident in supporting mums mm-hmm. with breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. and not not only that sometimes they've gone through their own breastfeeding traumas or and and they've literally feel that whatever you feed your baby is fine even though they've learned differently before their job role but they've had their experience and they may have not breastfed and they don't see as a biggie for a mother to just go and give her baby formula and then try again later you know you know so they don't they don't realize the effects that offering your baby something else can have on their breastfeeding relationship and I just sort of like so where that shone on to me that sort of grabbed my attention and then it's when I was working privately and I started up my social media because I Mm -hmm. I, I, it was like in 2015 times end of 2016 I started to um privately so what my first thing was to do was to start up an organization called one-to-one breastfeeding support which was to be was to be Uh, way that mothers was able to get breastfeeding support sort of 24 hours around the clock um it wouldn't have just been me it was going to start up as an agency and then um afterwards i just like i really want to do more and that's why i went into doula and i sort of combined it two. and as i started up my social media because when you go to train as a doula they're like yes you need to be on facebook and you need to have this instagram they're saying how social media is the best way to draw in your clients and stuff like that so I started up my social media, and with that, then that's when I sort of saw something pass by that said that breastfeeding week, which was up in the U.S. So right. I read more about. So then I looked into it more because if I was um I'm black and I'm very much into supporting breastfeeding, so I want to know what this is about, you know. So when I when I looked into it, I was like, wow, this is serious, and I just sort of reflected on. How things were in the hospital I was working in, I was like, it's true. There's like not really much of us that are well, not really much people on the breastfeeding team that is black at all, and also and that makes like, all the
2: difference. Yeah. It
1: makes it makes all the difference, and then also in regards to who asks for breastfeeding support in the hospital, it was never black mums. You'd very right. rarely see a black mum come to you saying, "Can someone help me with breastfeeding." All the time, the only mothers that I, majority majority of the mothers, if anything, 98% or 99% of the mums that came and asked for breastfeeding support was white mums and everyone else didn't. Um, Some would try, you can see that they may have tried but they wouldn't ask and sometimes I've gone over to them or I've gone over to a family member and um, I've noticed that actually they was thinking they was breastfeeding but now they actually are breastfeeding because of baby was just suckling on their nipples and their nipples were really sore but they didn't feel to tell anyone they just thought this is the way to do things this is it yeah. you know so um so yeah so then with with that I was like wow this is a lot so then I think the second year I think was it 2017 I was uh I breastfeed like breastfeeding we came back up and I was like I thought, you know what, I need to speak about this. So I made a long video, well, voice recording, because I, I was cooking in the kitchen and everything. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Mum run- life. I know, <laughs> mum life. And I was running out of hours. The day was almost done. I was like, gosh, the last day of breastfeeding week, I need to put something out there. So I quickly done a voice recording. And then I started to get some evidence about um, breastfeeding and why, why, what, what's the evidence around breastfeeding, black breastfeeding. And I put it together because what I realised is that there's the high mortality rates within the black community which is the highest in the black community and that breastfeeding can reduce that significantly up to 50%. so that's that that alone is a push for why we need more black that people alone, that alone you know? that
2: statistic is wild exactly
1: yeah. so that that alone is a as a reason why even though because there's no evidence done on it there's no evi- there's hardly no research that was done on race in regards to who is breastfeeding their babies. There's more research started up now, but before there wasn't. So it's like I had to go by what I know after all my years working around, working within breastfeeding. I had to then amplify other people's voices and listen to other people's stories. and Not only that, just know what I've seen in my environment and going with that and looking at the statistics of the mortality rate and how breastfeeding can help to change that. I had to piece things together on the reason why. So that's why the first, in 2018, I've done the first launch of Black Breastfeeding Week over here in the UK. And that's where it was why Black Breastfeeding Week? Because if it was the reason why, why do we need it over here mm. in the UK? Because I know everyone was like, oh, why do we need a Black Breastfeeding Week? Imagine if there was a white breastfeeding week. But what they don't realize is that every week is white breastfeeding week. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's
2: breast matter
1: exactly, yeah. so that's why we have to the only way to attract black people is to literally say, "Black people, this is for you, otherwise they feel excluded mm. and so sometimes you have to be direct because yeah. they don't otherwise they don't they don't put themselves within that category when you look at the pictures of mothers breastfeeding at that time, everything was white mums. You never saw any black mum breastfeeding in the picture so we didn't see ourselves breastfeeding not only that there's way more traumas that's come and been passed down through through Mm -hmm. our generations like to do with wet nursing having to see a baby starve and not be able to feed them because the slave owners say you can't feed the baby but not only that having to leave through the wind rush and everything and having to leave your little baby and come over here and work and leave them so we've sort of as a in the black community have learned that you have to separate from your child from
2: disconnect you have to
1: disconnect and having Mm -hmm. to know that you have to disconnect then you couldn't even breastfeed for long you have to find a way that they could eat and drink something else to survive so they can go to work and also at some point breastfeeding was even promoted towards black people because black people they they financially are not doing as well as the majority in the white white people so having that they're more needing to go to work so therefore they market the milk to them so they can go to work i remember yep. leslie i remember yep yep and i mean uh, yeah. ev-
2: everything you're doing with your social media pages with your events with black breastfeeding week and obviously your new book my mummy breastfeeds all about just trying to get the black community to connect to breastfeeding again. Yeah. I suppose to normalise breastfeeding.
1: Yes, definitely. To normalise it because like, I, you know, even the other day I was just speaking and um, one of the girls said that she'd never seen, she don't think she's ever seen a black person in the borough breastfeeding out in public. You know, if, they don't, if we don't see it, if we're not speaking about it, then it will still be hidden. So it'll be a thing where black mums would only maybe breastfeed at home and then when they come out, they may may pump if they can or then eventually get formula to give to their babies when they're out and about. And when you start introducing other things to your baby, sometimes this can cause a knock-on effect in regards to reducing your milk supply and baby needing more and more of the alternative foods.
2: Mm-hmm. And then just in a spiral. Dope.
1: Black when we are not being supported by people that look like us and we're being supported by the system which is racist may i say and the majority of yeah (laughs) and (laughs) majority of the people as well are white women white middle class women who are serving as breastfeeding support workers or specialists or lactation consultants when these are the people that are serving the, the um, old mothers with breastfeeding, there is biases on who gets that support. And there is biases in regards to that, who's getting put on the pathway to be able to get additional breastfeeding support or who is going to make that home visit to that black mother, that black mother's getting told that she needs to come in to the hospital when she's at home. And she could have had a cesarean or have high blood pressure. She's told, getting told that if she wants support, she needs to go to a children's centre or something. So it's like all of this, and it's it's also shown within um, the COVID as well that that there's been less support and less breastfeeding support for Black mothers. There's evidence in that as well. Um, so. I've done a breastfeeding culture safety course as well for practitioners, because not only are we going through our struggles and as a black community, do we need to actually learn more about the benefits and how to navigate through breastfeeding. We also need the practitioners that are holding this breastfeeding support status and breastfeeding advocacy status to be able to understand us and understand how to support us and understand how to support our black bodies and our black breasts because you know having things to identify as breasts having cracked nipples to be red and to having mastitis to be in red or pink patches you're never going to see that on a dark skinned body like it's very rare that you'll see it being red so if they don't understand and they don't want to listen with all these blockages. They need to find a way how to navigate. And that's what that course is about in regards to how they're gonna navigate. And not only that, looking about all the different systematic things and also reflecting on their own biases and anti-racism and how to call it out and how to keep us culturally, you know, keep cultural safety in the forefront of the work that they do to include everybody because that's who they serve and they're serving everybody. So everybody needs to be served equally because we're all human.
2: Absolutely. And just lastly, to any mums listening right now who are interested in breastfeeding, who are trying to breastfeed, and maybe just struggling with any of the plethora of things we just talked about, Mm -hmm. what would you like to say to them?
1: I'd like to say to them that, that they can get through it. We are here you go you got you got different um different organizations that can help you to get through it so there's a lot of these organizations There are white run (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that's why i started up breaking breastfeeding barriers you'll have that support from practitioners that look like you and that have an understanding of your struggles in regards to you know navigating through this system so if for some reason you felt that you needed someone that looks like you to support you, you can come to breaking breastfeeding barriers to get that support. And um, so with that, we do actually help to outsource. So sometimes it may be that if someone sent a referral or if you self-referred yourself, then it could be virtual support or it could be one-to-one support in your home. And that's what the funding is for, that we we get funded. So we can then use that funds to support you because of a lot of the one-to-one support, lactation support is paid for. So sometimes it can be one of the barriers that will stop a mothers going out for that. And also in regards to tongue tie, they can get that support in regards to getting it divided privately if the waiting list is too long or if they're being ignored. Um, also, other than that, there is stuff online. There are videos online, like, um, that you can find there's um world health video i think it's called um the global health video which has so much different videos on how to latch baby on how to know your baby's feeding well so there's resources out there but if you ever felt that um you know that you are struggling and you're not too sure you know always just feel that you can you can dm me on social media one-to-one do that or breaking breastfeeding barriers And I would be able to either signpost you or to be able to help you with with giving you and providing you that support and reassurance. And, um, yeah, there's different organisations out there as well that you can um, check in on. And, yeah, just, you know, the internet, Google is your friend and Mm -hmm. use it. Don't sit there alone and just know that, you know, you can get through it.
2: And also as well,
1: before you do think of supplementing, especially if you've got a preterm, vulnerable, sick baby and, you know, try, you know, you do your best. But before you supplement with formula, consider um, donor milk. Do consider it because it is more beneficial for your baby and your baby has a higher survival rate to use donor milk than it is to use cow's formula powdered milk.
2: Do you know what, Ruth? I think Donor Milk, Milk Banks is a Mm -hmm. whole nother podcast. And I think you're going to have to come back and just talk about everything to do with that because (laughs) it is is another area where, again, I think there's a lot of fear and a lot of uh, misunderstanding, misinformation. So I would love you to come back on and talk about that. But just thank you so much for sharing so You're openly with us all and um have to get you back on
1: soon. Dope Black Moms.
2: If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,